Here we are again with our International Women's Day podcast for parity in honor of all the wonderful people and partner organizations that have supported the pursuit to change the picture in international justice and get more women on the bench across international tribunals and monitoring bodies. With us today is Marais Philippe. She is currently a special counsel at the International Court of Arbitration. Marais has been a member of the ICC since 1984. She started as deputy counsel within one of the teams of the Secretariat, and she administered several hundreds of arbitration procedures, including scrutinizing awards. In 2000, she was promoted to special counsel, and alongside IT engineers helped develop the NetCase platform to conduct arbitration procedures in a secure online environment. She has since then specialized in online dispute resolution. Additionally, she has helped foster ICC arbitration in the Middle East by traveling extensively throughout the region, giving lectures and teaching workshops, contributed to an ICC arbitration online training, and to a program for ICC national committees. She is currently mainly in charge of coordinating internal practices, overseeing a legal training program, and in charge of the internship program at the Secretariat. She is also founding co-president of Arbitral Women, member of the steering committee of the Equal Representation and Arbitration Pledge, and member of the Board of Advisors of Arbitrator Intelligence. Welcome to our podcast, Marais. Tell us a bit about your professional path towards arbitration and how Arbitral Women came about. Thank you for inviting me. My generation was a generation of lawyers who were not trained in arbitration because no specific courses or LLM existed in the 1980s, and we all learned the job of arbitration by practicing it. Younger generations had the chance to be trained in one of the excellent programs around the world, such as in Stockholm, Geneva, Paris, London, Miami. So I ended up at the ICC as a lawyer hired in the German team administering arbitration cases because I speak German. That was the occasion for landing at the ICC. Young generations had the chance to be trained in arbitration and are lucky to be able to speak and publish very easily, but the competition has become quite wild. Whereas my generation did not suffer from competition, but suffered from the difficulty of publishing, speaking, and being visible. In addition, women were not taken seriously, would not be nominated to higher position, never, except for a few, being appointed as arbitrators and never as lead counsel. So women were doing exactly the same work as their male counterparts, but backstage, almost never on stage. And this has motivated me in getting engaged in Arbitral Women. So how did how was Arbitral Women born? Arbitral Women was an initiative of my then colleague Louise Barrington, who noticed back in 1993 at the ICA Congress, ICA is the International Council for Commercial Arbitration, that out of 250 participants, only five or six were women. So she decided at that time to investigate and see if other female practitioners existed. She sent a chain letter, at that time internet did not exist, following to which 60 female practitioners gathered at the first dinner in 1993. So we wondered um, at that time about ways to maintain contacts with the group and to have others join us. It was difficult without having someone volunteering to send letters and use the, the communication means at, um, of that time. 
When the era of technology was booming in the late 1990s, I seized the occasion to create a Yahoo group and we started growing uh, more and more. And so we ended up, Louise and myself, deciding to found officially Arbitral Women. We were supported by initial members and we started with the 60 female practitioners who gathered in 1993. We have now reached approximately 1,800 female practitioners registered with our Arbitral Women organization. And I use the word registered because when, when a member is not paid up with her membership, she loses temporarily her membership and is no longer visible on our website. She becomes again visible as soon as she renews her membership. So this is the reason for which visitors will not be able to find all 1,800 members on the website. Members who are visible benefit not only from exposure, but also from the possibility of being found when visitors use the Find Practitioners tool, which allow them to find profiles by using a multi-search criteria. So Arbitral Women website is truly a hub for finding female practitioners in dispute resolution and in any role. So this is, in a nutshell, how um, Arbitral Women was created. And so how did you end up hearing about the GQL campaign? That was thanks to Wendy Miles, who suggested that we sign the GQL petition for gender parity. Wendy joined Arbitral Women from the inception and has been with us from the beginning. She is a very active ambassador of Arbitral Women and of gender parity and a very good friend also. I immediately saw that GQL and Arbitral Women have the same objectives and I suggested that we partner with you and therefore I added information about GQL on our gender equality webpage on Arbitral Women. I also added your logo and a hyperlink and I think truly that um, we do have the same objectives. And the board also encouraged the members of Arbiter Women to sign the petition. So uh, that's how it started. You've written extensively about the issue of, of women in international arbitration. And in a paper that you wrote in May 2016, you described how difficult it is to gain parity in international arbitration because the field has only recently opened up to women and there are relatively few candidates that meet clients' criteria. How does Arbitral Women seek to change the environment in the international dispute arena? Hmm. Good question. Arbitral Women has been very active in the last decade on several fronts and I will cite a few of them to show how we have been able to advance I would say the cause of women or at least to promote female practitioners. We support the female practitioners uh, we support, sorry, female practitioners through a mentorship program first. We support practice mood teams from emerging economies, provided that 50% of their teams are composed of females, and some arbitral women members have also accepted to coach some teams, sometimes by traveling to the countries of these uh, teams from emerging economies and training them. 
We organize many events on arbitration in several countries around the world at the occasion of which we always speak about our objectives and, uh, and also encourage women to join us because the more we are, the more we can do. And we have been doing a lot in the recent years. We have started three years ago organizing SpeedNet events, which are inspired from speed dating and during which female practitioners uh, in dispute resolution and in any role meet and network. And this allows them to learn about other female practitioners and be able to put their names forward when invited, for instance, to propose names of dispute resolution practitioners as arbitrators, mediators, experts, forensic accountants, and so on. In addition to the SpeedNet events, we have also organized and continue organizing since two years now, panels discussing about unconscious bias and diversity. And we see that many practitioners have taken inspiration from us and uh, fo have followed our path and we are very happy about that because the more we raise awareness about bias and discrimination, the better we can level the playing field. So this has been very important. We continue organizing many many speednet events and panels on uh, unconscious bias and diversity. At our first International Women's Day in 2013, that we have invite, sorry, that we were invited to um, organize with the Chartered Institute in Dublin, I announced that Arbitral Women will be putting together an inclusiveness program. And that idea came from the fact that by discussing with uh, Dominique brown Bezet, who was, um, who was um, president at that time, we came up with an idea that we have to get to a concrete action to have people join and uh, change and help changing the, the, the field. So the idea was to have institutions and law firms commit to appoint more women on arbitral tribunals, panels, and on speaking panels also. But we did not have the time to do, to complete the project because all board members uh, have a very busy professional life. So when Sylvia Nouri started discussing in 2015 the equal representation in arbitration era, so in arbitration, sorry, the era pledge, we immediately joined her and supported the initiative. We promoted the pledge on our website, in our newsletters, and in several articles, as you mentioned earlier, that I published. Another change that we tried to operate is also by making sure as much as possible and when we know it in advance to let events organizers know that we are astonished to see that no women are or at least a very small number of women have been invited to their panels. We indicate to them that we are happy to try to propose names which may fit the criteria of the profiles they wish to have on their panels. And we also indicate to them that we will participate to their events and we will promote their events if we see women speakers on their panels. So some of them have accepted to, 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 uh, to join and to ask us for, for proposals and have accepted to add women on some panels. And it's amazing to see how people either neglect this important aspect as women represent half of the world's population. So it's always astonishing to see that uh, we find almost no women on panels or 
that they make no efforts to find any and allege that they found none, although nowadays information on profiles is accessible on various platforms on internet. It's, a, it's, it's incredible to think that today we have no means to find profiles. And to give you an example, very, very disturbing, a few years ago, uh, we called an organizer of an event in the States, not in a remote country, it was in the States, and told him that we are very surprised to see that no one woman was invited to speak on their one-day conference on the topic of diversity. Diversity. <laughs> and the answer we got was, oh, we did not think about that. So it's truly important to raise awareness. How can you organize an entire day on the topic of diversity without inviting women on board? So our male counterparts organized that conference, spoke about diversity, and completely ignored the role of women diversity. So that being said, the purpose is not, and it's very important, I keep reminding it everywhere I speak, the purpose is not to name and shame. Because unconscious bias, unconscious attitudes are anchored in us since centuries. And our objectives on Arbitral Women with the pledge and with many other initiatives is rather to constantly raise awareness and make sure that practitioners think about a better representation and hopefully soon an equal representation because many talented women exist and should be offered equal opportunities for equal qualifications. That's the main objectives. So we are active on many fronts and those are a few examples. You mentioned the issue of unconscious bias and I find that's interesting and I wanted to ask, arbitral women clearly plays a, a role in addressing the lack of women in arbitration positions across the world in different regions, right? But what are some of the specific challenges that you sometimes encounter that are region-specific or even country-specific, and how do you calibrate your, mes your message based mm -hmm. on those specific challenges? Yeah. Um, at the beginning, uh, I think it's normal to understand that it was much easier to have members join Arbitral Women in Europe and in North America, because this is where apparently there are more practitioners in dispute resolution. We then started to um, to make efforts in other regions. Uh, for instance, in Latin America now, the number of, of members is growing steadily. In Asia, we have members now starting initiatives, organizing events and private gatherings. In the Middle East, we have very, very few contacts and we need to make efforts there. But the the, the, the way we, 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 um, we proceed is through our members, local members. So when we have local members who have ideas, initiatives, we support them, encourage them, provide them means to organize local events in order to attract other women practicing dispute resolution to join the group, to join Arbitral Women, to spread the world. So uh, by spreading the word, we get more women gathering and more women being visible 
and hopefully we will get to a better representation also in other regions. You've also discussed how the arbitration court only appoints arbitrators around 25% of the cases. So it's 25% comprise appointments following the failure of nominations by parties. And what can the ICC do to encourage parties to nominate in parity? Mm -hmm. Very good question, because the institutions are always uh, accused not to appoint, uh, um, I would say, an equal number of women. But that's wrong, because considering that the ICC, and it's probably also the same situation in other organizations, considering that the ICC appoints arbitrators in less than 25% of the cases, in 75% of the cases, the efforts of nominating women lie in the hands of the parties and the co-arbitrators. This means that the honest for nominating more women is on everyone and that together we can bet to better numbers. So this is the first thing. The second issue is that when parties ask us to prepare a list of potential arbitrators for a given case, we try as much as possible and we have so far succeeded to have an equal representation of male and female practitioners on the list, and then it's for the parties to select an arbitrator. Um, a third issue concerns um, the efforts that we have been doing in the recent years. We have been particularly attentive in the recent years about nominating women whenever possible. That is, whenever profiles exist which match the criteria requested for a given case. And in our system, in the ICC system, we have a sort of delegation. So it's the national committees who propose names. We have no list of names. It's rather within the hands of the national committees, um, uh, committees who know the legal communities and who are able to suggest names. So we encourage and we have published last year a paper to the national committees, a note, sorry, to encourage them to observe generational and gender diversity when proposing arbitrators. And as you continue this trajectory, what are some synergies that you're hoping to see between your work and the GECO campaign? I think that the work done by Arbitral Women and um, the Arab Pledge, the conferences discussing diversity organized around the world, including by ICC and all the various initiatives, including transparency about numbers, um, are sufficient to raise awareness and succeed to level the playing field. We should not fall in the trap of regulating too much or imposing quotas because that would be counterproductive. Now, speaking about synergies, Arbitral Women um, started promoting female practitioners and campaigning mainly since year 2000. So uh, I think that the synergy with the um, with, uh, sorry, was GQL, uh is meaningful because together we can do things like, for instance, what I think is that if we gather and, and probably also extend an invitation to other women uh, organizations in the business field, in the uh, in the uh, in the legal field, also to try to draft a chart together for um, to craft guidelines for a better promotion of women in any field, we can get stronger. The more we are 
the more we are heard, the more we can get to a better representation. So that's how I see it. I think that a mutual work between Arbiter Women and GQL and other organizations to craft the sort of guidelines, uh, we, we, can, we can succeed to have more people join us. We have two, two questions left. Um, and I want to thank you again for your time. Uh, the first question is, what role has the equal representation in arbitration pledge played in your campaign for parity? And what has the response from the parties been that have signed on to it? Mm -hmm. um, Arbitral Women, as I said, started promoting female practitioners and campaigning since year 2000. So the ERA pledge is an additional step that will consolidate and that has consolidated a common objective of female practitioners. Whether campaigns are initiated by Arbitral Women or the pledge or by any other organization, I think that the objective is the same. And if many campaign for parity, we may get there quicker. So, unfortunately, we're not yet able to assess the impact on those who signed the pledge and on how we get there, because we have no feedback about um, any actions. The means we have to measure progress is only through the statistics that uh, we hope everyone will continue publishing. This is the way we will learn how this has progressed. Another potential tool, but not that meaningful, which may help learning about how much practitioners make efforts to find female practitioners, is the arbitrator's search tool on the ERA pledge uh, platform, to which assistance is offered to people seeking female profiles. So there has been very few requests so far, and we cannot tell whether this comes from the fact that practitioners are able to find profiles without seeking assistance or that no efforts are made. Uh, for the time being, we have no statistical tool also on Arbitral Women website because we have um, a find practitioners feature. But unfortunately, we have no statistical tool to tell how many people use that tool. So for the time being, as those initiatives are all recent, except the statistics, we have no means to tell how many people have changed their state of mind and started thinking more about women. The only thing I can tell, and I'm very thankful to the people who uh, continue uh, promoting women and continue promoting the work of arbitral women, are, for instance, since all the publicity that Mark Cantor makes to Arbitrumen on the OGMID listserv, uh, Michael McIlress from GE, and other people who keep uh, who keep recommending to their counterparts to go on our website, um, use the tools to find female practitioners. So there are efforts, but difficult to measure at this point, except with the statistics. And finally, as you may know. March 8th has been declared an international women's strike. And what are some of the connections you see between the lack of parity globally and the upcoming women's strike? And how does gaining parity in international arbitration impact women on the domestic level? I think that the women's strike is more generally about discrimination and violence against women 
in general, not only in the business or the legal field or for parity issues. It's really general. But the connection is probably the fact that by fighting discrimination, we also fight against the lack of parity and we plead for the importance of the role of women as a whole. Uh, gaining parity in international arbitration and in other fields help women, for instance, in the domestic level, knowing that women have a role to play, that their voice can be heard, and being encouraged also to raise their voice and refuse discrimination because many don't dare raising their voice. Unfair situations um, are simply unfair, they should speak up, and they they should refuse undermining their role in the society. So I guess that with this um, uh, strike and with uh, pleading for parity will help women all across the board. Women have always been at the center of sustainable programs, for instance. Women have always replaced men in the society when the men were fighting during wars. They had a significant role to play during both world wars. Unfortunately, when men were back from the war, the women were sent back to the kitchen instead of putting their talents to the benefit of the society as a whole. So there remains a lot to be done, but we are living in a wonderful period during which change is happening and it's perfectly possible through the strike, through the, uh, through the pledge, through the uh, equal representation, so through all the initiatives that have been, that have been um, conducted throughout the world. And I'm very positive about, about the future. Therese Philippe, thank you so much for your time, and we hope to continue changing the picture with Arbitral Women. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you.